0: You won't believe my imperfect morning. I woke up tired, the kids used up all the hot water, so my shower was cold, traffic was bad. Does anything ever go perfectly? We're talking about it next on the Matt Townsend
1: Show. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143, VYU Radio. Jurors in John Edwards' campaign finance corruption trial have been sent back to deliberation following a partial verdict. The jury acquitted Edwards on only one of the six counts he is facing. Upon hearing this, the former presidential candidate's defense motioned to accept the verdict and proclaim the rest of the charges a mistrial. The judge considered the motion briefly before deciding to instead have the jury work towards a verdict on the other charges. They have been deliberating since May 18th. If they had convicted Edwards on all the counts, he faced up to 30 years in prison and $1 million in fines. In the first quarter of 2012, the economy grew a little
2: slower than expected. The Commerce Department says the economy grew at an annual rate of 1.9 percent in the first three months of the year, slower than the initial estimate of 2.2 percent. Hugh Johnson of Hugh Johnson Advisors says it's largely because consumers spent less than first estimated, businesses restocked more slowly, and the U.S. trade deficit grew sharply.
3: All of that adds up to some concerns about weakness in lots of different parts of the
2: U.S. economy. But many analysts still expect the economy to grow between 2 and 2.5 percent for the year, an improvement from last year's anemic 1.7 percent growth. David Melendy, Washington.
1: In what will hopefully lead to better economic news, mortgage rates have once again gone down to the lowest point in history. If ever there was a good time to
2: take out a mortgage loan, this is it. For the first time ever, the rate for 15-year loans has dipped below 3% to 2.97%. And mortgage buyer Freddie Mac says the average rate on the 30-year loan fell to 3.75% this week, the lowest since long-term mortgages began in the 1950s. The low rates brighten the outlook for home sales this year. They're a key reason the housing industry is showing modest signs of a recovery. David Melendi, Washington. Former President
1: George W. Bush visited the Obamas in the White House today for the unveiling of portraits honoring him and his wife. It was hail
4: to two chiefs as President Obama walked into the East Room with his predecessor. Welcome back uh, to the house that you called home. For eight years. Thanking President Bush for a seamless transition nearly four years ago. I'll always be grateful for that. There was no hint of political tension. In fact, Bush joked his portrait may help the current president make some
3: tough decisions. You will now be able to gaze at this portrait and ask, what would George do?
1: <laughs> Sagar Meghani, Washington. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall.
0: Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your life coach. We're doing what we can every day on the show to help you and your loved ones grow healthy, happy relationships long into the future. We also like to work on your life and give you the tools you need so you don't get bogged down in the uh, unimportant, the irrelevant facts of life. And that's what we're going to be getting into today. appreciate you joining us Uh, today. I think we have a topic that you might relate to. Now, it started with my children. I have six of them. You've probably heard me talk about them. Beautiful gifts from heaven. And um, you know what? One of them is seriously hands down the most talented person I know. Can just listen to a song and about 20 minutes in can play it all on the piano by ear. Is that not just absolutely crazy? Then we ask him to play it again for our friends and our family or somebody at a family party and he won't do it. And I'm like, what? You've got all this talent. Come on, son. Do it, please. Your father, show everybody how great you are. Nothing. He he uh, does, he draws a picture of the most beautiful picture of of this of the LDS temple in Salt Lake City. Just a beautiful hand drawn pencil paper uh, picture. And uh, I have family members that would pay him about fifty dollars each if he would just do another version of it. If he just duplicate it, won't do it. Won't do it. Not going to do it. Why? Why won't you do it, son? Just to look at You can make daddy money. We could put you out on the street. You can make me rich, famous. Won't do it. But he won't do it because his basic answer is because he can't do it perfect. So he doesn't want you know, he can only do it perfect once. Played Little League football. Best quarterback you've ever seen. Wouldn't play it again the next year. All-star baseball player. Hits a ball home run out of the park in the all-star team and was a pitcher. Wouldn't play the next year. Ugh! Drives me crazy. You know what? He has every talent I don't have. Do you think I apply any pressure? Absolutely. And it's not healthy. But you know what we found out? He's just a little perfectionist. And little perfectionists, apparently, I don't know if you know this, but the research shows little perfectionists turn into big perfectionists. And we're going to work on that today. We're going to try to blow up the perfectionist myth, the belief that A, it's important, B, it's even possible and see if we can't shed some light on that today. So here is the test. By the way, the Webster's definition of perfectionism is this. It is a disposition which regards anything short of perfect as unacceptable. The torment for perfectionists is that they never find anything perfect simply because perfection does not exist. Instead, they suffer from social and personal anxiety and strained relationships. So here's your test. Are you a perfectionist? Do you feel that your accomplishments are never good enough? You may be a perfectionist. If you value people based on their achievements, see, like I'm valuing my son because he's got all these achievements. I might be a perfectionist. Actually, I'm not. If you're with me long enough, you'll see that. Um, You believe doing your best doesn't cut it. Is it not enough to be your best? You actually have to be perfect. If you take mistakes personally and hesitate, to ever try it again if you've messed up. If you're vulnerable to rejection, you may be a perfectionist. If you do, not, if you do what you should, not what you want to do, you may be a pleaser too. You set impossible-to-reach goals. You are hard on others and yourself. You expect perfection of others. You develop an obsession with perfectionism. You feel like you never measure up. You feel uh, fear failure in relationships. If you have any of those, you may be a perfectionist. And um, Or it may just be that you watched a lot of uh, crazy movies about Snow White. There was
3: a beautiful princess with skin as white as snow and hair as black as night.
1: Blah, blah, blah. Her hair is not black. It's raven. And she's 18 years old and her skin has never seen the sun. So, of course, it's good.
3: This spring.
1: Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all?
5: Snow White.
3: What? What? Snow White. Uh. A classic tale. Do you want It's a new wrinkle.
6: They're not wrinkles. They're just crinkles.
1: Banish her to the woods.
0: They're not wrinkles. They're just crinkles. You know what? Um, Perfectionism. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? Is it attacking your family? Is it in your life? Do you see it? I see it every day I drive down the freeway. And just from here, from the radio station to my house, there's billboards. There's uh, examples of... Breast augmentation surgery of every kind of surgery you can imagine all the way, every – so all of a sudden I'm starting to think, hey, I need some surgery. And I don't even know why, but apparently it's going crazy. Do you know that um, there are about 15,000 cosmetic procedures done annually? Okay, About 300,000 of those in 2011 were breast augmentation surgeries, plus other surgeries I didn't even know I needed. I didn't even know my calves didn't look right, but apparently 405 people got calf augmentation, and we're not talking about cows. We're talking about your calves. Uh, Cheek implants, that's a big one. Dermabrasion, doesn't even – I don't even know what that is, but it sounds painful. Um, Forehead lifts. I mean I've got a five head, and I'm pretty sure I need a forehead. But these just go on, don't they? And we're all doing it. Apparently – Apparently, it's it's everywhere, and we all need it is what I guess advertising, advertising is telling us. But what do you think? Are we getting to be too perfectionistic? Are we thinking that everything has to be a certain way? Is it impacting your lives? And it's not just – I mean it impacts us in a variety of ways. But I think one of the biggest is just how it all comes out um, and how we want to look and how we want to – be perceived by others. We're going to go uh, listen to a little featurette here by Corinne Collins, one of our producers. She's almost the BBC reporter. And uh, she's going to give us an idea of what people will do and spend just to become perfect.
7: Americans spent over $10.1 billion on it last year, an increase in 5% from the year before and an 87% increase from the year 2000. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's right plastic surgery. Of the nearly 20 million procedures that were performed last year, 14 million were cosmetic, ranging from Botox to nose jobs and laser skin resurfacing, whatever that means. And the winner of last year's plastic surgery increase prize is chin lifts, which were up by 71% from 2010 and accounted for over 20,000 procedures, according to the American Society of Plastic Surgeons. But why are people so invested in body augmentation and alteration? Well, perhaps we should ask a woman who has had over 30 cosmetic surgeries before the age of 30.
6: And you
8: just continue to self-examine yourself and put yourself under the microscope. And, you know, I think if you're told something enough over and over again, you begin to believe it.
7: Some scholars and researchers say that it's the media's constant bombardment of us with images of perfection that has caused such an increase in plastic surgery and that our young people are growing up assimilating these images of beauty from celebrity culture and the modelling industry.
6: And girls are getting the message these days so young that they need to be impossibly beautiful and they also get the message that they're going to fail. They hit adolescence and they hit a wall and certainly part of this wall is this terrible emphasis on physical perfection.
7: In light of that clip, it may or may not surprise you that plastic surgery is on the rise in the teen age group. Although teen surgeries only account for 2% of the total cosmetic surgeries done last year, more and more teens are getting laser hair removal, nose jobs, breast reductions in implants, and Botox, accounting for 230,617 procedures in the year 2011. In fact, one mother encourages her 15-year-old daughter to get such procedures.
5: You know, what's wrong
1: with a 15-year-old sweating?
7: Well, not on the stage. You wouldn't see Beyoncé sweating on the stage, would you? Uh,
5: actually, you do, yeah.
7: <laughs> well, that's what my daughter said. She didn't want to sweat on the stage.
5: You actually do see Beyoncé sweating I, I would on the prefer,
7: stage. I would prefer to actually oversee my daughter's Botox and actually have her going underground finding a voodoo witch doctor or, in fact, getting it off the Internet and administering it herself. But that still leaves over 13 million cosmetic procedures unaccounted for. And interestingly, while the majority of customers are women, male procedures are also on the increase and were up 6% from 2010. Although 5.5 million of the total plastic surgery procedures were reconstructive and account for a substantial percentage of the market, it appears that people are becoming more and more willing to invest money in surgeries to change their physical appearance. One woman described her desire for doing so. I had had
0: four children and I nursed them all, and the way things were at once, at one time, it wasn't like that anymore.
7: It's hard to say if this upsurge in cosmetic surgeries is directly related to a desire for perfection, but the statistics indicate that Americans are feeling the need to make significant and permanent changes to their bodies. And with an 87% increase in procedures since 2000, I think it's safe to say that this big business isn't going anywhere but up
0: wow isn't that interesting 2% right now of uh of this plastic surgery is being done on our teenagers and again the the chin lift i didn't even know i needed one now i've got to decide which of my three chins i want to lift <sighs> tough stuff um we're talking about perfectionism is it is it healthy is it what we're supposed to be after and are we going about it the right way? Is it even realistic? That's what we're going to try to unfold here on the show. We're going to tackle it. We're going to be bringing on um, a wonderful woman, um, Amber Evans Bowden, a talent agent, a national model, an actress. She's done a ton of TV, former Miss New York, who's put together a talent agency to help build kids' self-esteem first. The real, uh, the real sense of who you are isn't your perfection. It's coming from the inside, your self-esteem. We'll be talking to her after the break right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143, DYU Radio.
6: While sitting in heavy traffic, do you ever wish you could just drive over all the other cars? A company in China is looking at doing just that.
5: This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future.
6: The largest cities usually experience the most traffic congestion since there are simply many cars on the road, and with population booming, the roads just get more crowded. A company in China wants to solve this problem by putting even more people on the road, just without the cars that go with them. The idea is a large, sectional bus that can carry up to 1,200 people. This isn't your average bus. The vehicle has the advantage of riding over seven feet above the ground and straddles two lanes of road, allowing passengers to literally ride over the rest of traffic. This bus system would operate a little like a subway, but developers say it would be less expensive to build and can be supplemented with solar power. Passengers will get on and off at raised platforms, and even while the bus is stopped at the platform to board and unload passengers, cars underneath can continue to drive without delay. That dream of riding above all that rush hour traffic may very well become a reality in the near future. Talk about taking the high road. For Innovation Now, this is Crystal Browning.
5: Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Did you know BYU has its own record label? It's called Tantera Records. And it's captured some pretty fabulous contemporary music from both on and off the BYU campus. I'm Ron Simpson, your host for the Tantara Hour. Join me as we track through some of this great music. You'll meet some of the artists and the songwriters, and we'll also have exclusive interviews and behind-the-scenes anecdotes. It's all on the Tantara Hour here on BYU Radio.
2: great and I'm
0: practically Wow. Practically perfect it. in every way. Is that Mary Poppins? Yeah. Is that you? Amber <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> Evans is joining us and she is practically perfect. Uh, Amber, thanks for being here.
8: Thank you. I thought you brought me on the show because you felt like I was close to perfect. Is I think this you are. Actually,
0: I think you're dang close <laughs> to perfect. Wouldn't it be no. nice? But you know what? Uh, did you hear I'm getting one of my chins done?
6: Oh well, yeah, I've, I've got we've three, had three had of them. Talk a, about this. Before. A,
0: yeah, I'm just trying to figure out the first, the second, or the third chin. Okay. I don't know which one's going to make the biggest impact. I think starting
8: face. with the third and working your the way one, that yeah. way. I think
0: you start. Yeah, you start <laughs> down at the Adam's apple and you work your way north, don't you? It's a little easier. Now Amber Evans is a talent agent, national model, actress. She's been on Good Morning America and other TV shows. When when you were in that crime spree. Right. Uh, she's been running from the law for years. <laughs> she's just a wonderful woman who gets the idea of the mix of beauty and healthy, right? And yes, that's thank so you, you. you've got the new, you've got your Stars Talent Studio. It's in Utah, and but what you're trying to do is not just get people focused on perfection. You really want to get people some some esteem, some self worth.
8: Our, our focus is actually really have people develop more of a health, be a healthy role model. Whether yeah. they're a model, whether they're actor, singer, yes, I want I want a healthy balance, a way that they view themselves as a, a their beauty wise. Yeah. Interview wise, I think it's just a whole package. If you can get all to the, the point, skills.
0: now you've been in the you've been in. What do you think about toddlers and tiaras? So here, here <laughs> do you we really want to because you've been in that industry. oh uh, yes. And it just seems like that's it. Just that is just so ripe with this concept of perfection. And then now you have all these dance shows on now, where the moms are trying to get their kids oh, to yes, be dance little dance moms. dance moms. So <laughs> yeah. are we? Are we just? I mean, dads do the same thing with football and little league. We just obsess. With perfection. Are we overdoing it or what?
8: Well, obviously, we're overdoing it, and that's why we're all entertained because it's so outrageous. It's
0: so messed up. But
8: I mean, when I was um, in the pageant line, when I was going out for the Miss Teen USA as a Miss New York, yeah. there was so much pressure at 18. Oh, I bet. To have, I mean, because you're competing against the other 50 51 contestants, yeah. and they. You're, you know, They all give you a coach that's supposed to get you in the most physical shape. You have your personal trainer. You have your uh, hairdresser. You have your nail lady. You have your body.
0: Yeah, at age 18.
8: <laughs> body, Yeah, you have your bodyguards. I mean, there's a lot of per- perfection requested and yeah. demanded at 18. So magnify that times 100 when you're talking to a little five-year-old oh, competing against a pageant. They're just starting that whole system without having the emotional intelligence you know like i did at least at 18 which yeah, you had, still like, you know yeah. look at me now you you right. learn more every every all
0: well, as we age we, well like for the <laughs> like 10 so. years you've been since 18 so you're 28 yeah a little older than that maybe <laughs> isn't that i mean it's it's interesting cuz we don't it just seems like and it just seems like we're we're amping it up we're doing more of this we're not like toning it down and learning as a society we're we're, in, we're instilling more Need to be perfect for these kids at younger and younger ages. I mean, the magazines do it, and don't you think women and young women get the brunt of this? I mean, it seems like the—I mean, the guys need to be perfect on the field, I guess, but it seems like the women.
8: No, the women are are internalizing this from their heads to their toes as they watch, especially the reality shows. I think there's been such a huge hit on reality shows, which you know, now that I've had a reality show film our pilot, yeah. I have learned it's. People think it's real and it's not. They set it up the way that they edit.
0: Oh I know you is
8: completely different and unfortunately when you're watching television they make it very believable that that's what's real like right. on Dance Moms I'm sure they've made her more horrible than oh, she yeah. really she's is in real life <laughs> she's probably like this really yeah. sweet soft spoken person she's that not. they've said if no, you want a million is. dollars yeah. you need to be this because so they
0: sensationalize what... it sensationalize it
8: oh yeah they've turned her into a monster I mean really you watch her and you're just going oh my gosh do not let you I would never want her to talk to my, my daughter yeah.
0: ever Oh, well, and go into this because I'm imagining a little 18-year-old girl in New York, pageants. What are you who, What are you thinking about you when all of a sudden we got to tape ourselves up to make us look good, to make us look fit? I mean, I don't know if you know this. You can't hardly tell. But before I do my radio show, my, my staff, they tape me up. They make me lose <laughs> three inches of body uh, okay. weird weight by just taping me.
8: You know, your producers are over here rolling their eyes. Yeah. <laughs> That, I'm going to uh, I'm going to go ahead and follow along with you.
0: Putting the tape on but, is easy. It's no, the tape off that hurts.
8: I remember Well, first of all, I went to the pageant really for the food.
0: Oh, so. did you really? You weren't even in it for to win it.
8: I was there just for fun, and I had a great time. I ended up winning the title Miss Congeniality because the girls, I was helping everyone zip up their zippers. I wasn't taking it yeah. to the extent as a lot of the girls were there for their fourth time. They brought tanning beds. They yeah. were up and down the stairs at two in the morning. Uh-huh. I mean, what I watched and witnessed, my jaw dropped to the floor because I was like, this is not really happening. I can't believe how um, other people's parents, I mean, they were just, they were like on the soccer field screaming at their little pageant daughter.
0: See, oh, Go, Yeah.
8: So it's it's it is it's a it's it's getting worse, I think, with all the media and and with reality shows. And there's a lot of pressure for girls. And so, yeah, how do you fix that? It's it's a it's a rise to the top from one to ten. They expect tens and that's not real for all of us. And most importantly, I think we need to focus more on. On who we are as individuals, and when you get caught up on the physical side of perfection, you get so busy with your hair and your yeah. nails and all the in the makeup and the clothes per- clothes purchasing and the gym and trying to get your body in the perfect shape that you lose all that time and focus on what matters. Yeah, and in the pageant line, the nice thing is is a lot of the times you know if you're Doing it right, you're supposed to be focusing on the interview.
0: Right, exactly. Shouldn't <laughs> we be not getting just that? just
8: what gown you're going to yeah, wear. Yeah, using our brain, right. Swimsuit. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: And then the body and the swimsuit and the tape. Um, because it also seems like when we're a perfectionist, it's – so the moms have it. But then if you're a mom that's a perfectionist, you're going to push that on your daughter, which is going to create demands of perfection.
8: The apple does not fall far from it the tree. It
0: doesn't, does it? And then sometimes so – it's, so it's me being a perfectionist for me. Then it's me needing you to be perfect. It's almost like you can't once you're in the cycle you're you're, you're going to either hurt yourself or you're going to hurt others or you're going to just expect perfect. And if just expecting perfect from somebody when it can't be delivered, I mean even the perfect bowling game is, you know, once.
8: Well, it's and this once. this equals misery because you you think you can reach this unrealistic goal and yeah. that's that's a very unhappy life. And, you know, I see that quite often at the talent agency. I have parents come and bring their daughters, and sometimes it's for them.
0: You can see vicariously like, <laughs> so they're can living. See yeah.
8: they're, they're trying to live through their child because maybe they wish their parents, you know, took them in and gave them a chance at being in, like, a Disney film. Right. You know, or a big motion picture. And so you do. You see this pattern from the parents, you know, answering all the questions. I'm trying to yeah. talk to the child and ask them, you know, what are you interested in and what do you want to like, do? And- I
0: like skating. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And the mom's like, "Quiet! You don't yeah. like skating. You like long walks in the park." I mean, it's they do control, don't they? And you must have to see it every day. Oh, How do you rein in a parent?
8: Well, first of all, you just have to address that I'm asking these questions to your yeah. child. Can you be quiet in a cute way so that they understand that I really want to see where the heart is of the of yeah. the you know kid that's entering the entertainment industry the victim, and, and the we one call. that's going to be the victim that is auditioning and thrown oh. in there by themselves. Yeah. And the mom's not going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, And sometimes it is the dad. Actually, I have to be careful because it's. Oh, dads are. Yeah. You see it in both ways, both parents that can, um, and sometimes it is both parents, and that's even more fun to deal with.
0: Oh man! (laughs) And then they come together because they want to double team you.
8: Yes, and so it is. It's really important to, I think, for us as parents. You know, because I'm a mother of five, and our kids watch what we say. And they will pattern that behavior. So the parents that are perfectionists, I see these kids feel like their eyes are lit up. Like, if I don't act and answer everything right, I am in so much trouble later.
0: (laughs) See, what happens the day that you're, you just are human and you just have a bad day, but your concept is that you must deliver. You must hit your mark. No
8: soup for you. Move on. No
0: soup. Exactly. (laughs) Soup Nazi. It's scary. Oh, my heavens. That just brought back bad memories. Um. (laughs) But Amber, too, to go to your kids for a bit because – so here you are. You, you're a talent agent that goes out looking for talent. And the neat thing about talent, I, I'm assuming, is that when you see it, you kind of know it. And it's best when it's just stressless. Like when they're just in their vibe doing what they do well, I'm assuming that's the best selling point for you, that they're comfortable and love what they do versus they're stressed out of their gourd needing to be perfect. Yeah, their mark.
8: There are some kids that you can tell they don't demand that, and they're very humble, and they're very, very, very willing to yeah. learn audition techniques, and and they're comfortable in their own skin, where they will come in and they'll sing for you, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm a shower singer, and I love it." That's
3: so good.
8: <laughs> and there is, it's wonderful when I you see that healthy balance. Yeah. It's you see that they're actually really happy, mm-hmm. and they have a really a good perspective on confidence so that when they go into a casting, I know that they are going to be willing to take direction. Yeah, They're going to be willing to kind of give it, you know, give it a different angle or a different try. And they're not going to have their head, you know, shooting down and going, ah, shoot.
0: I'm such a loser.
8: Yeah. And putting themselves down. And so they're they're. It's a really obvious thing. If someone has a healthy balance to their
0: character, it's, it's so obvious, you know, you know if it's, if it's forced, if it's parental, if it's external to them, right?
8: Well, we can watch it through people's body language. Yeah. When people are perfectionists, you watch their eyes roll a lot more. You yeah. watch them do a lot more sighing. You can see the disappointment on their face yeah. as they're trying to listen to the application uh-huh. that's necessary be for the want audition. To be,
0: instead of just being authentic. Right. That's, don't you think we're just not – we don't know how to be authentic
8: well we need to be comfortable in our own skin, skin I mean I know I'm a little off the wall sometimes oh
0: you are so off and
8: you know it's okay and yeah. that's what we have to all but know but that's you
0: that's Amber people know that that's you
8: Oh, I. I, you're, I think... but
0: what's neat, you're exactly <laughs> the same off, off the air as you are on the air so that tells me you're real but we're not trying to be something. But a lot of us are, have learned that you need to be something else.
8: Well, and see, as a casting director, as a talent agent, I want genuine. I want Huge. real. I want someone that is comfortable in their own skin. They're not going to demand perfection, but they're willing to work. Yeah, And they're willing to be persistent. They're willing to be a hard worker. They're willing to listen and be humble and take direction. And I think these skills, whether they're in the talent agency or off, just in a regular life, they're all required yeah. to truly be successful and truly be happy. I think that's yeah. what we have to pay attention to. it's more the than topic... your
0: performance. It's more than just your audition. This is life. You got to make it through life. And life is a great big play. Well, life is a lot of work.
8: We have our own movie we're filming in our own lives and yeah. we need to play the lead role and we need to enjoy who we are and... And deliver our lines. That's it.
0: And look good and get makeup and have your abs makeup done. Oh. <laughs> I, I spray on my six-pack every morning before I tape up. Um, so we're talking to talent agent Amber Evans, model, actress, former Miss New York, owner of Stars Talent Agency, about perfectionism and how you manage it. We're going to take a break. We're going to go uh, and and take a break. I'm going to try to untape a little bit it's hard to breathe and then we're going to come back and I'm going to have Amber give us some ideas some tools in how you um, as parents or as leaders and, and people with these children how you kind of instill more confidence and less perfectionism you're listening to The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio
3: Hey, parents, introducing the Communicizer. Go from boring old man speak. Oh, you know, I'm here if you want to talk. To 100% off the chain. Text me whenever, yo.
9: I love you, Dad.
3: Communicizer is not available in stores because it doesn't exist. But that's okay. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Because kids in foster care don't need perfection. They need you. For more information on how you can adopt, go to AdoptUsKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt Us Kids, and the Ad Council.
4: Go something like this. Uh, Hey there, it's the The morning show. Break a leg now. It's the The morning show. Come along, everybody. (laughs) It's the the morning morning show. On your mark, get set, go.
6: The Morning (laughs) Show with Marcus Smith. Only on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
1: Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. New Yorkers may find themselves feeling a little thirstier as the city plans to tank take large-sized sugary soft drinks off of menus. New York City Health Commissioner Thomas Farley says sugared soft drink serving sizes have exploded over the last 30 years as American waistlines have expanded. It's not exactly cause and effect. Sugar drinks are not the entire obesity epidemic, but they are uniquely, strongly associated with this rise in obesity over the last 30 years. Farley introduced the details of a ban on sugared drinks over 16 ounces served in restaurants, fast food spots, delis, sporting events, food carts, and theaters. The limits wouldn't apply to diet, soda, juice, or milk-based drinks. The Board of Health is expected to approve the new rules as all its members are appointed by the mayor a strong proponent. Warren Levinson, New York. Two American tourists have been released from their kidnappers in Egypt. The kidnapping followed the usual pattern. Bedouin tribesmen snatched two American tourists in the lawless Egyptian Sinai desert. Authorities negotiated with them for a few hours, and the two were released. This reflects a larger problem, the ineffectiveness of Egyptian security in Sinai, a peninsula that borders Israel. Bedouin gangs and violent Islamic extremists roam free there, threatening tourism, a key to Egypt's battered economy. Mark Levy, Cairo. Applications for unemployment benefits rose unexpectedly, taking some economists by surprise.
2: The number of new jobless claims rose last week to a five-week high, evidence of a weaker job market, according to Hugh Johnson of Hugh Johnson Advisors. Employment conditions have to some extent stalled out. The Labor Department says new jobless claims rose 10,000 to a seasonally adjusted 383,000. The number had leveled off at about 370,000 for four weeks, and analysts were expecting a decline. But even the less volatile four-week average increased for the first time in a month to 374,500. David Melendi, Washington. A
1: retired Russian military official has been stripped of his rank and sentenced to prison time for spying for the U.S.
6: Retired Colonel Vladimir Lazar is alleged to have given an American intelligence agent thousands of images of classified maps of Russia. Lazar is going to prison for 12 years. He'll be stripped of his military rank. This is the latest in a series of spy trials as Russian-U.S. relations worsen over NATO missile defense plans for Europe. Moscow sees those as a potential threat to its nuclear forces. I'm Rita Foley.
1: You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall.
0: Hall notes, Everyone you know is perfect, right? Hall notes, Does that not bring back memories? Oh, my word. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show, everybody. I'm your host, Matt Townsend. And uh, now, think of this. You've, you've just bought yourself a beautiful new car. It's perfect. Flawless. And uh, by the time you take it to one large parking lot at Walmart... It's now been violated by a bunch of car doors, and it's not so perfect. Let's go listen to Rob Sanders as he talks about the impact of losing the perfection of your possessions. I want a brand new
4: car. I'm tired of I got love. You know, talking about perfection today is really making me think about my car. Last fall, I finally got rid of my old one. You know, that one that was a five-speed <laughs> And then a four-speed. And then a three-speed. Anyway, I saved a big down payment and watched it disappear for the first time, but maybe last time in my life. I got to drive a car away that only had six miles on the odometer. It's not as nice as what you're driving now. Very budget entry-end. Sirius XM is not an optional feature, if you get what I mean. But still the nicest thing I've ever purchased, and I vowed to keep it perfect. Weekly vacuuming. Little brush to dust the air vents. Only microfiber cloth on wash day. Six months later, I'm finding scratches. Not like one or two. Bajillions of them all over the front of the car. The hood, the A-pillar, everywhere. It's like every rock on the freeway wanted to fly up and see my car up close and personal. I tried cleaning a water spot off the inside of the windshield. Now I drive in the sun and it looks like a shower door. I don't know what happened to the instrument cluster. All I can figure is a burglar broke in in the middle of the night and ground 40-grit sandpaper all over my speedometer and then just vanished. And I don't even want to discuss those three paint chips on the passenger door. I passengers! The point being, if I'm inadequate of keeping a cheap car nice, how on earth am I ever supposed to take care of a nicer car like yours should life ever give me the chance to own one?
3: At your South Florida Lexus
4: dealer. I guess I could have my car detailed and then park it under a glass case and never drive it, but what's the point of that? I bought the car to drive it. Life must be that way, I figure. Housing is for living in, vacations are for going on, and friendships are for, you know, making friends and having a good time doing stuff. The minute I wake up in the morning, life has pretty good odds of giving me the tools I need to accidentally put rock, chips, and dents in objects, experiences, and relationships. So I guess I've got to let life's paint scratches not bother me, because I really don't want to live life in a glass case.
0: No, you don't, Rob. You don't want to be a trophy. You don't want to be a trophy man with your trophy car. Um, Interesting stuff. As we think about our relationships, as we think about our lives, it's just too easy to get caught up in this perfectionist trap, and I kind of want to blow it up a bit. We're here with talent agent Amber Evans, model, actress, extraordinaire, former (laughs) Miss New York, incredible woman who gets it. And to get it when you come out of that kind of a world is a big deal. Talk about with me, Amber, your – your your philosophy on how instead of focusing on the body and the things of our lives, how do we grow self-esteem if it's not about having a perfect body?
8: Well, I think confidence is digested, actually separate. You can either develop it through building self-esteem, which is which is going to be how you dress and, and how good you are at soccer or how strong yeah. you are, um, you know, as a guy, you want yeah. to have the big muscles. I got so him. there's there's a lot of focus on self esteem, and you see all the books on self esteem, and and there's thousands and millions actually probably on on that topic. I like to kind of gear away from developing your self esteem, not necessarily you know avoiding that whole concept, right. but putting more of an emphasis on focusing on actually developing your personal worth, which is your self worth, which is going to be your foundation Uh for real confidence that's actually going to last. And, you know, for someone that's been to New York and LA and has been in movies and commercials and, you know, billboards and stuff like that, I saw a lot of coworkers, you know, models that I had worked with that completely got caught up in the other way of developing right. confidence, which was just solely on their, I mean, their conversations were very shallow. They were very based on appearance and things. Yeah. And that's what they just like to discuss and talk about. And to me, I just want to go barf back. that,
0: right. Well, and there's <laughs> more to you than all of this, right? I mean, you're going to get ring old. ring
8: true right. to me when you sit and talk about that. It's just kind of boring. Yeah. So I, I, I really find that it's to to. For you know, as parents, it's really important for us to verbalize with our children things that are like more virtue based. Like, wow, I noticed how kind you were the other day with so and so the neighbor, and yeah. or I notice you know that you really were thoughtful when you wrote a note to your teacher, you know, or whatever they've done, you know, you're pointing out the different virtues you and know? you're
0: noticing the good instead of. Noticing the, what they're doing. Wow, you look doing. so cute yeah. today. You yeah, know, that's gonna encourage. But it's so easy to look at look look at this young, cute little girl with these beautiful eyes and comment on her eyes, and then eventually she becomes, you know, she becomes sensitized that her eyes are her beauty oh. instead of her virtues, like your thoughtfulness, your caring.
8: I've got an 11-year-old I worry about because he's really, really cute. I yeah. also have a 17-year-old I worry about. He's really cute. Yeah. And I'm worried because people will go, oh, my gosh, you know, I want to hook him up. my yeah. 17-year-old with so-and-so. That's right. And he's really good looking. And, and he's I'm a like,
0: stud and a star. <laughs> and it would be easy to.
8: Let's talk about how nice he is I and know. how kind exactly. and responsible and intelligent and the things that that I'm proud of. Those are the things yeah. that I like to focus on.
0: And that can be mentioned just as easily as anything else. And it doesn't mean you can't talk about the others, but maybe you just drill in their head that it's not about that.
8: For all of us though, and all of us listening, it's a discipline to rearrange how we compliment other people. Yeah. It's something we have to completely stop and think before we speak because it comes out so naturally
0: yeah.
8: very surfacey generally and that's that's something that's gonna take some reprogramming, remapping in our brain. Totally well, to yeah. kind of get
0: we're programmed that way, aren't we?
8: We're programmed that way. And the media programs us that way for sure. I mean, and that's what performance you see.
0: it's performance-oriented and it's what you do. And at work, we do that all the time. Hey, great job. And when we're done with the show, we'll talk about everybody's job, all the stuff they did. And But still, there's some really cool – like there's incredible virtues of all of us.
8: Well, and there's – I mean, if you look and Google virtues on, on – I mean, you'll find – so many on there that you'll go, okay, these are the things I'm going to focus on. And I even had like a little thing with my family. We'd put a a virtue a week on our fridge just to kind of rebalance kind of what the media does. Yeah. It just kind of helps us to go, okay, these are the things that matter. And, and that's how we need to, um, kind of rethink
0: what do you do with these people that come in They're stress cases they're really anxious they want to please you they want to be they want to get on the next disney show i mean i love seeing your emails and stuff you send out because it's you've got a lot of auditions for big shows and big things and disney's coming to town kind of stuff and they're coming in terrified they want to please you they want to make you happy but they're just a stress case and they're and they're not they're they're a perfectionist what would you teach them in your studio to get them ready to lose the perfectionist side but still hit the mark?
8: Well, first of all, when they come in, I will interview them and get to know who they really are. Are they responsible? Are they...
0: Back to virtues.
8: Uh, back to the... Yeah. Are they going to be able to meet with a client, though, and impress them with yeah. who they really are, not just what they look like? Because there's a lot of pretty people. Yeah. And as, as we meet with different looks, obviously there's, there's a dime a dozen. There's so many, there's always gonna be someone prettier, always someone smarter, always someone more talented. But the key is, is when someone comes in and they're kind of that full package, you know, they've taken care of the way that they look, but they're more focused on how they are responsible or how they're professional or how they are. Um, in tune with what we're looking for, and right. ask the right questions. That's kind of the focus that we're going to go. Okay, this person's a real put together person, and it, yeah. that's kind of got a good head. You and have, have
0: workshops too that you'll take them to, and I love your staff that because they get into there and they really they tear you apart in a way. I mean, they they're good, they're healthy, but they're real.
8: They're, they're very not, real. They're, they're not gonna just
0: going to coddle you. They're going to make you grow. Oh yeah!
8: In a, a one minute audition, do you realize that they look at over twenty different techniques? To see in one minute.
0: So honestly, how do you perfect that instead of just being that? So it's almost more being instead of trying to appear to be. Part of perfection is maybe because we're so focused on all the externals, you're just not it on the inside. What if we could just get you to be you, relaxed and calm in what you do? then it'll come out on the outside. It'll be more natural.
8: Well, and that's what that's what sells.
0: That's always going to be what sells.
8: Yeah, whether it's in the entertainment business or in real life, people want want someone that's really? not a perfectionist. Necessarily, they want the real, genuine.
0: Yeah. What else is it like? I'm, I mean, you came you also came from you were in the modeling industry where you're actually judging models, bringing in models. You're 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 it's got to be a weird thing for you to judge and to not be judgmental.
8: Well, here, here's the thing. As a judge for the Miss America and Miss USA organizations, yeah. it is really funny. People will go, tell us what that's like. And in reality, when 50 girls come in, I can pick the top 10. And I'm generally always right. Why yeah, is that?
0: You just sense Why it. Why
8: is that? Well, it's because when the girls come in and they're on that glass podium, you can yeah. watch their whole body language. You're watching their their eye contact. They're watching their lips. Are they quivering? Their hands? Are they nervous? Yeah. If someone really likes who they are and they've come into their own skin where they don't demand perfection because it's never going to yeah, happen ever. Happen. I mean, we should be working towards improving our lives yeah. every single day, but with a realistic view of there's no way I'm going to hit, you yeah. know, it's like the at the lagoon, you hit the big bar. Yeah. And you want the you want the no,
0: the bell to ring <laughs> the, at the bell top. to ring at the top.
8: Yeah. It's never going to ring at the top. No. So when you realize that, you can actually people will walk in with a completely different countenance that that we can see as a judge. Mm-hmm. I can pick it out in people's body language. yeah. so that's why you can pick out the top ten out of fifty girls within just an introduction. Isn't that amazing? All of it shows through your body language what you're thinking.
0: That's my favorite. It naturally
8: comes out on your body.
0: You cannot not communicate it. If you are at peace with yourself, you're at peace. You're going, it's coming out. It's going to come out and you're going to thrive. Yet when you're second guessing yourself, when you're assuming things need to be. And perfection, think of it. What is perfection anyway? Your standard? Well, your standard's not someone else's standard. And um, that's why a bowling game's easy because we know it's perfection when I knock them all over. (laughs) That was easy. But in the relationships and in our life, maybe the goal really is about continuous improvement, doing better every day and instead of going out, going in
8: and focusing on our personal worth and getting to know who you are, why you're here, what your mission is, what you're here to be good at. And do the very best you can in a loving, gentle, patient way. Jeez. That's that should be where the focus is, and that's not taking confidence in an unhealthy way. It's a very healthy way to focus on your personal worth, yeah. value your Maker, yeah, and what He sent you here to do. And then wake up in the morning, take five minutes, get yourself all fluffy, yeah, do what you <laughs> all fluffed do. up. Do what you guys do, but then forget about yourself the rest of the day and yeah. focus on others and focus on why you're here. It will completely change your yeah. your countenance. You live. People will notice a huge difference.
0: Well, when you, I love the divine. Emerson teaches the divine spark. You've got to live. Every human has a divine spark. So when you know the divinity that's in you and you know your mission and you know your purpose, then everything else is secondary.
8: Well, and that's the key is realizing you are a spark of deity. Yeah.
0: See, yeah. Um, that's powerful, isn't it? That's, that's we,
8: the root of confidence right there. That's that the real secret of real, healthy a happy life is when you realize that because then you're good enough because of who you already genetically.
0: Uh, There's a quote, Ezra Taft Benson, who was a leader of the LDS church, um, the president of the LDS church years ago said, um, the world tries to take the man out of the slums and God tries to take the slums out of the man. So once we can get inside and let God inside, then we'll just shine. We don't need to just we don't need to try to be everything else. Everyone needs us to be. We just need to know who we are. Good stuff.
8: Yeah, that I believe that. There's no question. That's good, that's Amber. why I wake up every morning is for that very reason.
0: And you have your purpose and you have your mission. And and we work from the inside out. Now, Amber, if they want to get a hold of you, how do they, how do they reach you?
8: They can go to our website at stars with an S, talentstudio.com. Okay. Or the number is 801-201-5885. Good stuff. At Stars Talent Studio.
0: You're the best. Thanks, Amber Evans. Thanks for having me on the show. Talent extraordinaire, former Miss New York, taped up like a (laughs) UPS package (laughs) for that contest. Uh, You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back with more ideas and tools to keep you from being overwhelmed by the need to be perfect. It's just not going to happen. Keep listening right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Connect with Matt on BYU Radio's Facebook page. And Twitter at BYU Radio.
3: Going green sounds like a great idea, but we can't just unplug from the energy grid, right? Thanks to research originally geared to help humans live on Mars, we just might.
5: This is Innovation Now.
3: Imagine energy without the costs of transmission or distribution. A bloom box with roughly the same footprint as a parking space can generate and store enough power to supply up to 100 homes or a small office building, day or night. The invention can use renewable or traditional fossil fuels. The concept was inspired when researchers at NASA and a team at University of Arizona were developing technologies that might help sustain human life during future Mars missions. There's no power grid on Mars, so scientists were looking for a way to generate power at the point of consumption. They came up with a machine that could produce air and fuel from electricity, reverse the process, And you get electricity from air and fuel. Bloom Energy's servers convert natural gas or other hydrocarbons into electricity to create power, pretty much on demand. And while you don't have to go to Mars to use a Bloom box, you don't have to connect it to your local electric power
5: grid either. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA.
10: As to answer your question, we actually have an architect, a native in Madagascar with 20 years of experience, who has worked in affordable housing for the government. How do you run across someone like that? Uh, You know, I I would say
4: lots of divine help. Um, Divine help, that's a nice (laughs) pop-out.
10: I I want you to answer my question.
6: (laughs) The Morning Show with Marcus Smith, only on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're talking about perfectionism, blowing up the myth. You know what? Maybe you're just not here to be perfect. And if you can't be perfect, though, maybe you could just be like the boxer Floyd Mayweather who covers up his imperfections with a facade of a lot of language saying, oh, I am so perfect. There was a TV interview years back with the boxer Floyd Mayweather, and I can't help but wonder what's actually going on in his head.
9: We already knew what I could do in the sport. And we already know who's the face of boxing.
7: And, I, and, and I've been yep.
9: gone from the sport. And what these fighters done since I've been gone, they still haven't taught what I've done in two fights. Well, one was with Oscar de la Hoya, who was the uh, cash cow. Uh, I'm the cash cow, please. Two times 3.5 million homes. Me, Floyd Mayweather. No, with Oscar de la Hoya, though. Oscar de la Hoya didn't do nothing. Did he win? It was a split decision
5: loss, as a matter of fact. uh,
9: uh, Come on, man. But it was with him. Uh, Once again, again, like I said before, once again, we're talking to Brian Kinney, a man of many traits, a master of nothing. Bob Arum is Manny Pacquiao's boss. Floyd Mayweather is his own boss. Floyd Pacquiao just faced. Hey,
0: let's stop that for a second. Holy cow. Seriously? Do you notice what's going on here? Uh, Floyd Mayweather is trying to convince everybody he's perfect. Somebody needs to let Floyd in on this, that uh, it's not happening, Floyd. You're not perfect. And uh, you can keep talking, and apparently this is what happens is they keep talking. In fact, let's let him keep talking and see if anything that's not perfect comes out.
9: Once again, we're talking to Brian Kinney, a, a, a man of many traits, a master of nothing. Bob Arum is Manny Pacquiao's boss. Floyd Mayweather is his own boss. Floyd, Pacquiao just faced the last two guys you also faced. Who do you think was more impressive? You or Pacquiao. Uh, me, of course. <laughs> really? I beat an undefeated Ricky Haddon. And once I beat Ricky Haddon, he was never the same. Once I beat a guy uh. mentally and physically, he's never the same.
0: Okay. Ah, uh, So is this how we reach perfectionism? When we can't live it, we just try to talk everyone else into it? Is that what we're doing? Apparently, uh, we have all of these idols, right? We have our sports idols. We have our athletes. We have our our stars, our talent. We have all these people out there setting supposedly this standard for perfection. And yet, honestly, he's Mayweather's not perfect. He may think he's perfect. But um, interestingly, in very few sports, is there an actually a chance to be perfect? But in baseball, for example, there is actually a possibility to achieve a perfect game, right? But what do you do when that perfection slips away, Major League pitcher Armando Galarraga was faced with this very problem a few years ago and found a perfect solution to a very imperfect
10: result. The Baseball Hall of Fame journalist Red Smith once said that the 90 feet between home plate and first base may be the closest man has ever come to perfection. Baseball's embodiment of perfection is the perfect game, defined as when a pitcher completes an entire nine-inning game in which no opposing player reaches base. No hits, walks, hit by pitch, errors, 27 batters faced, and 27 batters sat down. In the 143 years of Major League Baseball, there have been only 21 perfect games. In fact, more people have orbited the moon than have accomplished baseball's ultimate feat of perfection. Every season, an entire team receives a World Series ring, but a perfect game happens on average once every seven years. Champions come and go, but pitching a perfect game is the closest a professional athlete can come to immortality. And for many, that chance never comes. On June 2nd, 2010, Armando Galarraga was robbed of his one shot at baseball immortality. Galarraga is a Venezuelan-born pitcher who was originally discovered and signed by the Montreal Expos back in 1998. A baseball journeyman, Galarraga bounced around baseball's minor league system for nine years before finally breaking through to the show in 2007. Galarraga had finally seemed to find his place on the Detroit Tigers, and in 2010, he was on his way to his best season ever. When Galarraga went out to face the Cleveland Indians on June 2nd, he had no idea that it was, in all likelihood, the most important day of his career he proceeded to retire 26 batters in a row, just one shy of the 27 minimum required for a perfect game. With two outs in the ninth inning, Jason Donald hit a soft single to Miguel Cabrera. Galaraga covered at first and received the throw from Cabrera, appearing to tag out the runner at first to complete the perfect game. Galarraga began to raise his arms in celebration before first base umpire Jim Joyce inexplicably signaled that the runner was safe. Holy cow! The next batter hit a ground ball, and the Tigers recorded the final and 28th out of the game. Galarraga's official pitching stats nine innings pitched, no hit by pitch, no walks, no errors, and one hit. Instant replay showed that the 27th batter was clearly out. In fact, it wasn't even close, he was out by a complete step. Jim Joyce, the first base umpire who called the runner safe, was devastated after the game.
5: I did not get the call correct. I missed it. I missed it from here to the wall. This isn't, this is, this is a history call. And there's nobody that feels worse than I do. And I took a perfect game away from that kid over there. To say that Joyce's call was a
10: turning point in Galaraga's life would be a bit of a gross understatement. His career was, frankly, never the same after that. Within six months, he was back in the minor leagues, and since the end of the 2010 season, he has appeared in only eight major league games. Currently, Galarraga is a free agent and is out of baseball. Galarraga's quest for perfection was taken away from him. He was denied his one chance of immortality, but what is perhaps most impressive was his response to what happened. He could have been angry, blaming Joyce, blaming fate, even blaming baseball's draconian lack of instant replay. Instead, Galarraga showed compassion and understanding for the devastated umpire. After the call was made, Galarraga didn't throw a fit, he didn't complain. He simply smiled, walked back to the mound, and finished the game. Afterwards, Galarraga said that,
1: When stuff happens like that,
9: you just take a little bit more break and think about it better. The reaction of being angry or being mad its happened for a reason. I mean, I say, you know, what I can do is the guy apologized to me right away. Because he apologized to me last
5: night. as how he feels really bad. And, and I mean, I, I give you a hug and say, this just move on.
10: Galraga's comments completely changed the rhetoric surrounding the incident. What had been immediate and universal outrage shifted to compassion and understanding. Before the next day's game, Galarraga met Joyce at home plate to present him with the day's lineup card in a gesture of forgiveness. The ballpark, which was packed with Tigers fans, gave both Galarraga and Joyce a standing ovation, causing the umpire to break down in tears. The two formed a friendship as well as a business relationship, eventually collaborating on a 2011 book about the incident. A few weeks after the game, ESPN released an anonymous poll of 100 MLB players who voted Jim Joyce the best umpire in baseball, and the vote wasn't even close. William Faulkner once wrote that all of us fail to match our dreams of perfection, so I rate us on the basis of our splendid failure to do the impossible. Armando Galarraga worked his entire life to achieve baseball perfection, and what should have been the pinnacle-crowning moment of that life's work was taken away from him. But Galarraga understood what so many others before him have not, that is, that perfection doesn't come... From statistics, from broken records, or even in those 90 feet between home plate and first base. Galarraga's example of forgiveness and compassion disproved that, at least by Faulkner's measure, nobody's perfect. Great
0: job. Nobody's perfect. Holy cow, why do we pretend like we are? Why do we pretend like we can? The perfection maybe doesn't uh, maybe it actually comes in perfecting some of the virtues that uh, we saw Galaraga perform: compassion, understanding, perspective, uh, persistence. He just chalked it up to the idea that you know, it must have happened for a reason, and he moved on. and then And then it's interesting. They then spent. Uh, Now they're putting together books and deals and movie deals. And interestingly, his baseball career is not thriving. I guess that's what life's about, isn't it? Life's about learning from the difficult times. It's not just about being perfect. It's about learning. It's about learning these other things that that happen when we don't have the perfection. We need the dark times, don't we, sometimes, to understand what the light looks like. And I think uh, Galarraga got it right there. I think he's a great teacher. And so is, by the way, Jim Joyce, who's uh, an umpire breaking down crying 30 minutes after he blew this call and blew this guy's chance for a perfect game. That is what I think we need to perfect, folks. We need to perfect our ability to be in the virtues of compassion and love and understanding. Will you go home and start looking at your own life? Are you overdoing the perfectionist tendencies? Are you stressed about things that really are not the key? Are you starting to be um, too much of somebody that demands perfection from others? And can people just be human around you? And remember, the goal is to increase and improve our humanity, one one with another. That is the goal of the show. Thanks for joining us. Don't make it a perfect day. Make it an adequate afternoon. Thanks for listening, everybody. We're here every day, same time, same channel. Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: KBYU
5: FM HD2 Provo.